What up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the only podcast that covers our schools, their sports teams, and the community at large. We are asking some big questions from some major issues that we've seen over the last week covering sports and specifically playoff sports here on the LBC. This is part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post, and we are on the 562.org. I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Gardabasio. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson. Everything that we do at the 562.org is brought to you by our longtime loyal title sponsor, Naples Rib Company. Um, you know, here's a good example of how Naples Rib Company uh, is a big part of our lives. I made the trip up to Camarillo to cover the uh, Millican football playoff game. They had a delightful spread of Naples Rib Company um, before their game. Did not contribute to the loss. I know it only made them play better, but uh, if you're a team that has banquets coming up, you've got roadies, there is no better food to travel with and feed your players, um, cheerleaders, parents, support staff, whoever, coaches. Definitely Naples Rib Company is the way to go. Best barbecue in the LBC and longtime loyal supporters of all things Long Beach sports. And guys, before we get into it, I do want to give a shout out since the 562.org is a nonprofit news entity here in Long Beach. We do rely on community support. We got to thank our all of our sponsors, not just Naples Rib, as well as our subscribers and uh, our donors who give back uh, for the coverage that we provide. We want to shout out a couple recent donors, the Napuhaku family and the Robertson family uh, from Lakewood Water Polo and Millican Football, respectively. Um, thank you so much for your contributions. And, uh, you know, we really, that, that's the way we got to keep this thing going, right? If you appreciate the coverage, if you want to see more of it and to see us stick around long-term, do what you can, chip in um, what you're able to to keep the 562.org going. Uh, you can go to the website, hit the support tab, um, and it gives you different options for how you can support what we do uh, as far as hiring freelancers and photographers. Everyone wants photos of their games. The only way to do that is if we have the money to send people and get those great shots, write the recaps, do the highlight videos, and bring you stuff like this, the What Up Long Beach podcast. We have a bunch of photo galleries from a bunch of CIF playoff games available at the 562.org right now because we've uh, we've done a little bit of everything. We've been doing volleyball, we've been doing water polo, obviously football coming up. This week, it is the quarterfinal round, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But first and foremost, we are all getting prepared to go cover the boys' water polo semifinals. Wilson and Long Beach Poly both playing a semifinal today. That's Wednesday we're recording it. And then the finals, if they win, would be on Saturday back at Woollett Aquatic Center, a place where we used to hang out all the time, guys. I felt like in the 2011, 2012, we were just like putting down on our calendar that we'd have to be in Irvine uh, in early November. And, and here we are again, Wilson taking on a Loyola team that they played in their last semifinal appearance, which was 2012. And one of the coolest parts of our job is the uh, highlight videos that we get to do because you can go on the website right now. And in the preview of today's game is the video highlight from the 2012 game, which features Olympian Max Irving. I freaking love Long Beach, dude. It's the best. It's like magic. It's like it's like time travel within the preview. Like you're looking ahead while you're looking back at the same time. Well, and I also feel pretty confident that there's going to be an Olympian in today's video. So um, it's 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 interesting how the the wheel of time keeps on turning. And uh, obviously, Wilson Water Polo, one of the most successful programs that we cover and one of the most successful Wilson Aquatics, uh, one of the most successful programs in, in the entire country at the high school level. So, um, yeah, it's 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 old school, right? It's <laughs> Wilson Loyola Division One semis at Woolett. Like it, the stage is set. You know, what more could you ask for? 
it's old school in the way that this Wilson team is playing too. I think we've all uh, remember those 2012, 2011 teams, even beyond that, before our time working here in the city, Wilson water polo made its name by being the confident swaggy, bigger, stronger team than everybody they were playing. And they racked up the championships. Uh, they they kind of lost that over the years and dropped down in division, but now they're back in division one. And I can tell you, man, that game at Palos Verdes, the quarterfinal on Saturday was dripping in swagoo for the Wilson Bruins. A huge LBC crowd made the drive up the best coast to see that match. And uh, they just took that pool over, man. Uh, they did it inside the pool. They did it outside the pool. It was really fun to watch. And like you said, it was old school, uh, something that's kind of been a theme this week uh more old school so much so that mike's got people putting their hands in the air saying i don't know long beach poly boys water polo making history and nobody knows when the last time they did this was we we cracked the case the last time they were in a cif southern section final was 1977 and uh our buddy bill breitenberg who is the coach of that poly girls team that made the run all the way to the cif championship in 2018 was actually a player on that team uh, so he, he called Ish Pluton, who's the coach at Poly, and then he texted me just to make sure that um, we had the info. So, so that way, so that is that what happens when you in your lead? You're like, we don't know. And then people that's just literally why I made it. That's literally why should I made we, it the lead. Should we be doing that more? Um, yeah, I mean, I get a lot of questions answered. Occasionally, occasionally, you ask the streets, you need a question, uh, you know, that you need answered. Um, but I, I will say there is sort of an additional piece of history that I looked up. I was a sicko, so I was up Saturday night looking at looking through CIF record books. We've mentioned before, so the Wilson Boys Water Polo Team has won 12 CIF championships. The Poly Boys Water Polo Team has won 11, but they have not won since 1929. All 11 of their CIF championships were between 1911 and 1929. And at that time, it was like old school Major League Baseball. They did not have a CIF Water Polo Championship game. They had one league that all of the water polo teams were in and whoever won the league was crowned the CIF champion. That's like so, EPL. That's like European club soccer. Right. So even like though it. and it's how, it's how baseball, it's how football used to be, you know, um, but even though Polly has won 11 CIF championships, if they win the semifinal tonight, they would actually be playing in their first CIF championship game as a program because they didn't used to have championship games in the 1910s and 20s. So very, very sense. interesting. Uh, Ish was very happy I gave him that little factoid uh, to use in whatever sort of speechifying is happening before this game. But very excited to see these games. Weirdly enough, both in Irvine and separated by an hour and a half start time. So I think we're all going to get to see at least half of both games, which is uh, very rare and, and very nice. Kind of excited that it works out to where we can all kind of get a little piece of the action. The, the energy around those late round playoff games are just... They're beyond compare, man. They, they, they really are. And you can enjoy some of that atmosphere through our highlight videos that will be available with all of the other coverage at the 562.org after we cover those games on Wednesday. What's up, Tyler? Well, I, I just want to say, I mean, it, Mike, you're mentioning uh, that Ish might need some, you know, some material for these speeches. He, he hasn't been strained too hard so far in the playoffs. The Jackrabbits have won every uh, game so far by double digits uh, in their bracket. Now, not, not to say that that will just continue but so far the jackrabbits is the one super impressive yeah this is the one this portola team is uh was ranked number one for most of the season and so i think if you look at um water polo planet and some of the other uh there are actually some water polo ranking projection things out there this is sort of 
the game. Not that the you know Crespi and, and that that other side of the bracket doesn't deserve respect, but I, I do think it's difficult to describe how big of a step up in competition it is. They've outscored their three opponents fifty eight to twenty one so far, and then all of a sudden now you go to a team that's kind of right there with you in terms of who's the best uh, in Southern best in that division, and you're at uh, you're in their territory down in Irvine as well. And that's uh, that poly water polo game, not the only semifinal for the Jackrabbits uh, on Wednesday, uh, today, actually, the girls tennis team uh, playing in a division four semifinal as well. And they have also uh, been dominating uh, their competition, um, scoring 15 or more points out of and a possible 18 in all three of their matches. So is Polly's new school motto uh, go fourth division and serve because <laughs> D4 has been very... The, very kind of the Jackrabbits so far in this playoff. If, if you put a polo, boys water polo, girls the, tennis, and obviously football, which we will certainly be talking about. It's the uh, home of scholars and D4 champions. I'm Listen, just saying, they put where they're put and they're winning. So 4,000 students, uh, 400 football wins times two, uh, <laughs> 40 NFL alums times two. You put them in uh, Division Four, and uh, we expect to see some good things happen. And sure enough, uh, semifinals, semifinals, quarterfinals so far for those three Jackrabbit teams in Division Four. We, we mentioned the atmosphere of these playoff games and especially in the late rounds, how much we enjoyed it. And uh, kind of the theme of the podcast today is, is what we've noticed, you know, noticing the history that Long Beach Poly Boys Water Polo is making, noticing the return to an old style of play that's helping boys water polo at Wilson and uh, the overall lack of atmosphere that we noticed in the home games for Long Beach high school football teams in the first round of the playoffs last Friday. I was at Jordan. Mike was at Polly. We had somebody at the Compton game as well. We had somebody at the St. Anthony game as well. Now St. Anthony kind of an outlier. Their field is under construction. They weren't able to play locally. So they had to go to St. Paul. So we'll, we'll move that one to the side, but the other three games, Polly, Jordan and Compton at one point through this season, one of us has said, I just got back from the blank game, either Polly, Jordan and Compton. And the crowd was awesome. Right. Yeah. The homecoming crowd at Compton for that Lakewood game. Phenomenal. Best Jordan's, crowd we've seen in like 14 years, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan's band and cheerleaders have created a really great atmosphere at Jordan for those games, despite the fact that you have to walk through the entire campus because it's still under construction. And Long Beach Poly at Vets is Long Beach Poly at Vets, man. That's probably the best and biggest high school sports atmosphere that we get each and every year. And, and then, we all notice that the crowds were maybe the smallest we've seen all season for the opening playoff round on Friday. And there's multiple reasons why that's the case. Yeah. I was really surprised by the crowd at vets, to be completely honest with you, the crowd at poly has been better than it's been in a few years. Um, they've really brought a great student section back um, over there. You know, it's not quite to where Millikens has been, but it is like you're used to at this point for their home games, even against, you know, kind of lesser opponents, quite frankly, you're used to looking up and seeing a really big student section. And when the team wins, they go celebrate with the student section. Um, really sparse crowd at Vets uh, this week. And in talking to one of our high school uh, interns who goes to Poly, as well as in talking to some of the administration, they brought up a number of things, but one of them was cost. You know, the kids have been able to get into games with ASB stickers through the season so far. Um, and then obviously, once you reach the playoffs, you actually have to buy a student ticket, which it's only $5. But um, given that there's a there was a big dance, I guess, that the school was hosting on Saturday, you know, they felt like something they heard from a lot of students and something that our high school intern heard from a lot of students was 
um, oh, I'm spent, I'm spending too much money right now. I can't, you know, it was, it, that was like the one more thing, you know, that they, they couldn't do or whatever, but it was, I have to say it was a real, it was a genuinely a real bummer because I know we've all been excited and there was so much energy throughout the year of people being so thrilled to have high school football back that, um, I was, I was bummed to get there and be like, Oh, what, where is everybody? You know? <laughs> Do we feel like do we feel like that's kind of hustling backwards to charge students like that? Like, don't we want the atmosphere of high school games to reflect like a high school campus and have students there? Isn't that the problem is getting people to go to live events, you know, getting convincing kids to take the time away from doing what they would normally be doing on Friday night, you know, uh, hanging out with friends, being at home, video games, whatever they want to do, like isn't it better for the campus community to have them there? And I know some people might listen to this and be like, well, $5 is not that much money, but that's not, that might be true for you, but that's not true for, for everyone, especially high school kids that might not just have the disposable income to, you know, it, especially you're asking them to follow a team through a playoff run. So they might have to buy multiple tickets at that point. So I don't know. It just seems, it just seems like it would be better to have as many students as want to come as possible um, or at least, Maybe you cap it if you're worried they're going to fill the stadium, but that's just not a problem that we face that there's been too many students engaged with their campus activities. I think that's better for every community. Well, well no, they're not going to fill vets. Yeah. Well, especially this year, right? If we're going to do something different and we're going to try to get as many people involved in activities as we possibly can, this is the year to do that. How long we talked this time last year about how much we were missing high school football playoffs and the atmosphere and the community that we're talking about right now. I, I, I think it's crazy that, uh, that the tickets are as expensive as they are in general, right? I, I'm, a, I'm an old man like that. I think movie tickets are too expensive. I think game tickets are too expensive. Like I've spent thousands of dollars to watch the Dodgers lose in the playoffs. Thousands, you guys. So I'm just, I'm just saying in general, I feel like that's too much. So what I, I don't want to complain and say, oh, CIF, you should knock it down. Um, schools, you should stop charging for parking when that's like one of the biggest ways that they're able to raise money for these right. programs. I'm, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, can we find a way, especially for these next semifinal rounds next week, can we find a way to drum up some support somehow to get family members and students into these arenas where they don't have to shell out that money? Like imagine being a family of four and trying to go see one of your family members playing a football game. You're, you're shelling out 40 bucks just to get in the door. And then you're also going to be paying for parking. So we're talking like $50 on a Friday night to take your family to a high school sporting event. For me, especially like Tyler said, if you're trying to do multiple games, that could be the difference between a mom and dad seeing their kid play their last high school football game and not seeing their kid play their last high school football game. For me, that, that deserves some attention. We should be talking about it and finding a way to make sure that that stuff doesn't happen, especially this year. I, I just, and I just want to say it again. I don't think that the tickets are overpriced. I think, you know, $5 for a student, $10 for an adult is like, my family went to Disneyland this week. We spent $30 to park. Like, I believe some of them were $8 per student, but I see your point. Um, but, but what I would say is regardless of how we feel, the attendance was bad at the home playoff games. And this was something that multiple people brought up to us that they'd heard from a number of students. So I, I, I would like to see something for, and, and also, I don't know, maybe this is just a problem in our area. I mean, I don't know if, 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 if attendance was down everywhere, if it was down everywhere, the way it was down for us, something I'd be interested in seeing is why don't we get some kind of a split on a handshake deal 
between the CIF and the high schools where the CIF says, okay, the high schools are going to pay for a certain number of student tickets, but we're only going to charge 250 or whatever it is. There's always all kinds of politicking around who's keeping the gate at these playoff games, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I do think that's something that you could look at where you go, there's got to be some kind of a way because it's better for the schools and it's better for the CIF if more people are there and more people are engaged. JJ mentioned the campus community, but it's better for the CIF as well. If no one's coming to the game, they're not making any money off the game either. You also, I mean? you could do a like first hundred free thing, right? First, first hundred students get in for free. That's also getting people there early. That's also getting people to the game because once you're in line, maybe you're not 100, but you're still going. You know what but I mean? There's so many that, different ways to do this. That's one of the other things that there's no physical ticket sales. And so, you know, it's, it's difficult to run some of the, that type of stuff that you normally would just because of the COVID protocols have made it so everything digital, but yeah, but at Jordan, they had somebody sitting at a table next to the front gate who was like, do you want to come over here and buy a ticket? I will show you how to do it on your phone. Right. 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 It's right, really right, not right, that right, difficult. Right. 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 Yeah. But I think largely what we're seeing is, it's a shame that the most exciting, most important, best football games of the year have the fewest people at them. And so that doesn't add up in my brain. I think you guys see the same thing. Like, yeah. this is when the crowd should be bigger. They're not. Why is that? And that's the, the main reason that we've heard is the financial component. So, And if you, and if you so, want to talk yeah. about home field advantage, which is always a thing in the playoffs, a home field advantage of having a community surrounding your school that's maybe a little bit more affluent Maybe that $10 ticket isn't as big of a deal in some parts of Orange County. And maybe that $10 deal is a bigger deal in, uh, I don't know, Compton, for example. Like that, you know what I mean? All of a sudden, the have and have nots get separated a little bit more with that stuff. Again, I'm not saying they should change the, the pricing or whatever's going on with them. I'm just saying that there's got to be a way to where we can get more people involved in this community events. The community events we were pining for less than 12 months ago. Yeah, I, I, I think you said, you said it perfectly. And it just, we all came back to the table. We all had, with the exception of Tyler, all of us covered wins. Tyler also yeah. covered a really <laughs> exciting game. But we all I did. I couldn't to, see, I couldn't see Camarillo's crowd because of the fog. So I'm not a good person to ask. Right, right, right. But we did all come back. And this was, this was something that, you know, again, I think we could say the same thing in talking about the playoff brackets themselves. Um, reporters like us are going, wow, these playoff brackets are great. We're having all this success that we haven't had in 10 or 30 years. Whereas uh, a reporter like a Fred Robledo in the San Gabriel Valley, all of his good teams didn't get a great draw and are knocked out already. So he, so from Fred's perspective, not great playoff brackets. From our perspective, great playoff brackets. Maybe it's the same thing with the crowd. All we're going from is what we're seeing in our area because this is the community that we cover, obviously. Well, let's touch on those teams that are playing this week. Obviously, we got to start with the top seed in Division Four, Long Beach Poly Jackrabbits, going to Mike and Tyler's favorite place, not named Long Beach, Upland, California. Which for me, A delightful hillside community. Somebody who grew up in the Inland Empire, i.e., don't call it that. Uh, it's very strange because Upland was never a place where we were like, dude, Upland though. The Highlanders, though, and well, that's now you, after guys were years, out, you guys were out in the IE, so the foothill area just seemed very like foreign to you. you know no, it's I mean? just a different version of the IE, bro. <laughs> it's the same thing, just a little bit different. It's if you were, if you were here spot. right now, I would start wrestling you spontaneously to try and put you in a headlock and make you take that back. Mike and Tyler, saying, the iPhone, 12, the iPhone 12, iPhone 12 is only a little different than the iPhone, but it's I think it's a lot better. So I'm, I'm happy with the evolution. First, <laughs> going like, going back. Going back to uh, the green mean machine, it's green <laughs> versus green this week, guys. Yeah, green on I, green. Let's go. 
This is going to be a really interesting game. I think, um, I, you know, as someone who has, has, uh, is going to be covering this bracket, I'm really appreciative of this game because it's a better name game than we're going to have in probably any of the other rounds if Polly is able to keep winning and advancing. There's just some juice around Polly Upland. You know, Upland's had a high school national player of the year recently in Justin Flo, who is an absolute star. Um, Polly obviously has all the history that they do. And I think that that's one of the things, quite frankly, that I also think may have factored into the attendance thing a little bit is you're not getting a Polly Losau game. You're not getting sort of the big names that you're used to in some of these playoff games like Jordan. Maybe that's different if that's Jordan and a, uh, you know, a, a team that's more local or something, or maybe even that people have heard of as opposed to a rim of the world. I really don't know. Um, but this is a big one. Polly Upland, as I said, names, programs, you know, programs that have produced really high level kids. Um, Going to be a really great clash of styles. Upland likes to run the ball very similar to um, somewhere between Tribuco Hills and Compton. They do run it two to one. They do a lot of fly sweeps. They do a lot of misdirection. They have some veer looks, Jage, which uh, I know you'll appreciate. Um, and they even have some double oh, Hold on, time out. I'm the veer guy? <laughs> what? Are you not the veer hold guy? Hold my veer. I am not. Yeah, hold my veer. I am not the veer guy. I understand it and am fascinated that it works, but I am, I'm, not a, I'm not a veer stan. Well, I would not describe myself as fascinated by the veer, so I guess you are the veer stan. Um. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm, I'm also a, fascinated by the way Compton runs the double wing. Does it make me a double wing stand? I have a cousin who honeymooned in beer stand. <laughs> uh, so I think, you know, it, it's just, it's going to come down to for Polly, similar to last week, can they stop the run? Do they have the guys to stop the run? Um, and I think if you see a first drive that looks like it did against Tribuco Hills, where they try and run the ball and they can't do it, uh, I think that's going to really open things up. I think that if Upland is forced into dropping back and throwing the ball, say if Polly's able to get a lead early, I think that really favors Polly. Um, they match up very well at their skill positions. So it, it's, it, it's going to be the usual chess game there. I would add that Upland, very similar to Tribuco Hills, does like to um, throw some different wrinkles, some different kind of trick plays at you. Um, Tribuco Hills had one early in the game on a halfback, uh, uh, what do you, the throwback on a throwback play that had it worked, could have been a touchdown that would definitely have, uh, have changed the way that game looked early on. Um, but you know, the receiver dropped it. So I, I it, it's going to be a good discipline test for Polly. Um, and I think ultimately, if you just look at the way they line up, Polly beat that Aquinas team pretty soundly earlier this year, Upland beat them seven to six. Uh, was not able to run the ball particularly well on Aquinas. Polly was averaging about eight yards a carry against that Aquinas team. Obviously, things change over a month of high school football, um, but uh, but I think there's plenty of reason for Polly fans to be thinking, you know, we're 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 looking at Upland and then we're thinking about next week. Well, and at, at this time of the year, you know, you you want to see teams that are kind of trending in the right direction. You know, you want to see them where they're like, okay, they're getting better every week. They're on that upswing. And Mike, I mean, you, you have uh, the most inside knowledge of, of this poly team. You would say that the Jackrabbits for the past few weeks have really been on that upswing. I mean, the games that I've covered, they've looked like they're having so much fun together. They're getting guys back. They're getting guys more into the rotation that they didn't have at the start of the year. And it really seems like every week they're just playing a better and better football game. And that obviously bodes well for a deep playoff run. Yeah, and they're actually even this week adding a player in uh, Kylan Allen, who is an Olu transfer. 
um, who had some uh, some some great eligibility issue. Um, Alou, uh, well, not to get into it, but I wouldn't say it was entirely his fault. Um, and uh, he's 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 back. He's he's actually going to be able to play his first game this week. So you get on a defense that looked pretty good last week. You get a starting level defensive back um, available. Hopefully, uh, I think that's you know that's absolutely a game changer. But yeah, uh, very excited for that game. And also very excited for the game that JJ is traveling. How far are you going for this game, JJ? Way out there in the boonies. It might be way out there past the boonies. It's literally like 120 miles or something, isn't it? You're like halfway to Las Vegas, basically. Oh, yeah, almost halfway to Vegas. Yeah, that is like that past is a, Victor, it's past Victorville. That's a good way of looking at it. Um, yeah, it's Apple Valley, Granite Hills. Uh, Jordan obviously beat Rim of the World in the first round handily to uh, to get this chance to play in a quarterfinal for the first time uh, since since we were boys, actually. Um, so at Granite Hills, right? And Mike did a great job of breaking down that poly matchup, and uh, and I'm excited to hear what happens in that game. But this one's real easy to break down, guys. Usually it doesn't it doesn't come this easy in the playoffs. Granite Hills lost to Rim of the World in the regular season finale. That's it. That's all you got to know. If Jordan looks at that and watches that film, they should have everything they need to do exactly what they did to Rim of the World, which was looked like an old school Long Beach High School football team. We talked about it a little bit with the Wilson Bruins and water polo, how they were playing like they used to play when they were winning championships. Well, Jordan looked like Jordan when it was vying for the more league title back in the mid nineties, when Long Beach was just faster than everybody else. And in that Rim of the World game, once again, proven speed kills Jordan Washington, Damian Henderson, just running literally around the Rim of the World team. Rim of the World then adjusted to try to stop them from doing that and put guys outside contain on every single play. Guess what they did? They ran around them still. So if you're Granite Hills, you got to be shaking in your proverbial boots with Jordan coming to town because if you're looking at common opponent, Jordan should win this game handily. Let me get this straight. Jordan beat a team handily in the first round and the team they're playing in the quarterfinals lost to the team that they beat handily two weeks ago they're literally league mates <laughs> so you're telling me that in this new playoff format jordan goes from not having won a playoff game in 28 years to tim wedlow the head coach's biggest problem being making sure his team's not overconfident in the quarterfinals yes exactly I like the new playoff format. I'm just going to come out and say it. It's a killer also, format. Also, travels, it's a killer format. travel's tough. When when was the last time Jordan uh, football traveled this far? That would be that's a poly a good water polo last championship type type research. I don't it's know. A, I don't know how a, to do that. It's a, no, and and that's a that's a good point. Um, and I would actually bring that up to people because that drive on a yellow bus um, with especially some of this the size of some of the linemen that Jordan has that it is. It, I know people might, you know, oh, kids are soft now, whatever, whatever, whatever. You're six foot five, 300 pounds crammed on the, a row of a yellow bus. You get off and then the coach says, all right, we're going to warm up to play football now. That's tough, man. It really is, you know, and, and I, we cover some of the best athletes, I think, anywhere in the country with the Long Beach State men's volleyball team. And that absolutely gets factored into it when they go to Hawaii or wherever else. It's like, you know, you're, you pack a body too big into a space that's too small for any period of time. And it's not great on the body. You know what I mean? So travel I think lag that, is a thing. It's not just jet lag. It's travel yeah, lag. Well, and they don't have a lot of experience because they don't do road trips like this for regular games. Either. Zero. So I, I do think it's more yeah. expensive. Yeah. Right. It's expensive so I do, do I do yeah. think the way they manage that and handle that travel aspect of it. I do actually, I mean, that may end up kind of being the biggest deciding factor in the game change. Well, yeah. And it's, you know, 
we, we, we love to do like common opponents and like for like, but I mean, you just, uh, you can't take anything for granted, uh, against uh, Grant Hills. You know what I mean? You just can't, uh, funny. you just can't do it, but you, you just have to like their chances with, with Jordan Washington and Damian Henderson. You know what I mean? It's like when you've got the two biggest playmakers on the field, it, it just, <laughs> it gives you so much more freedom going into that football game, knowing like, Hey, we can give it to one in 24 and a good thing's probably going to happen. That game is in Division 11. The game in Division 12 is Compton at Walnut. We are road warriors this week in Long Beach High School football. And speaking of a team that is going to try to run around its opponent, it's Compton. <laughs> Ran for over 500 yards last week in their victory. Um, I, lo- I love this Compton team. It's, it's the Compton team we've always wanted, right? In the right division, healthy at the right time, peaking at the right time have overcome so many things, including not even having a home campus. And here they are trying to get to a semifinal. I, I just love that for Compton. It's pretty special. Um, I'm really happy. I, I'm just going to throw a plug in the middle of the pod here. Um, you know, Tyler mentioned we've had some parents donate some money. Uh, we are a nonprofit. You can go to the support tab at the 562.org and uh, make a PayPal donation or sign up for a recurring five or $10 a month donation through our Patreon. It's all tax deductible. But the reason I point that out is, um, this is another, we've never been in this situation before. We have two water polo teams, a tennis team and four football teams playing this deep in the playoffs. The only reason that our Instagram is not flooded with people saying, where is the coverage of blank is because we've had enough money so far to be able to pay freelancers. But I would tell you right now, we have gone through a normal year's worth of freelance budget in this fall season. So if you would like us to continue to be able to cover these games, we do need money. No, no one who works for us is doing this just because they think it's fun. It's a job and it's hard and it requires you to work until one or two o'clock in the morning on Friday night. So please do, if you've been enjoying the coverage, make sure you support um, because yeah, Compton's another one. We're paying a freelancer to go out to Walnut to hopefully see them go into the semifinals for the first time since I think 79 was the last time they won a championship or played in a championship. It might be that long since they've been to a semifinal. It's really crazy. Yeah, it is crazy, but it's so cool to see those teams it's having that best. success. Uh, the alumni on the Jordan sideline on Friday was probably my favorite part of that game. So many guys walking up being like, hey, do you remember me? And then you're like, you have that moment where you're like, uh, and then all they have to do is say one game, their name, one thing that happened and <laughs> boom, you're like right back. Um, yeah, just that, that was really cool. No, I was just wanted to say, it's like this – these teams being in a competitive division where they can make a playoff run, it means so much for the alumni base. You know, we've seen, you know, just from any decade you can think of, right. From the seventies, the eighties and nineties, more recently, it it means a lot to see your team winning playoff games. And it doesn't really matter what the division is, who the opponent is. It's just, it feels good. And it gives, it evokes that school pride. And for a lot of these schools in the more league, they haven't had that opportunity lately because of, you know, being pulled up into the top division. And so I, I know we've, we've talked about this before, but it's really come to a head even more so this year where just various, you know, alumni bases from these high schools feel that sense of pride. It's like, you know, I might not have been staying in touch uh, with, with my school, but I, I'm, I, it's awesome to see them winning a playoff game. Keep it going. We'll be rooting from you from wherever we are. Last but certainly not least in Division 10, St. Anthony is going to be playing Catella at Glover Stadium. That's at La Palma Park if you guys are traveling for that 7 p.m. start. St. Anthony, impressive coaching. And not like anybody saw that one coming. They run the ball all year long with one of the best running backs we've seen in a while, Sone Aupiu. And then they get into the first round of the playoffs and Coach Raul Lara, who has a few championships under his belt, 
thinks, you know what? Might be able to throw on this team. And then Connor Hochberg throws for over 300 yards and a couple scores. Like, what? <laughs> How do you completely change your offense and still say that, stay that impressive? Leave it to Raul Lara. He, he's the guy who can pull that off. Um, and credit, you know, credit to Raul because he has such a good sense of how to manage that when you're planning on potentially playing five more playoff games, even from this point, you know, you cannot come out and do the same thing. Uh, we mentioned that on last week's pod. At some point you run into a team that says, I can stop this guy. What's your second punch? Well, Raul, the master of the counter punch offensively said, let me show my counter punch this week. So the team that's getting ready, ready for us has to get ready for both things. And know that if they key in on stopping the run with Sone, we're going to go over the top to him. And we have playmakers like Kwaku Claybrook who are going to have the speed to actually stretch the top off that defense. Yeah, big shouts to the Catella defensive coaching staff. Good luck, y'all. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's and, and certainly tackling drills you'd think would be pretty important um, to try to wrap up and hopefully get a little bit of help. Uh, not a lot of solo tackles on Sone Alfie this year, um, or even uh, gang tackles for that matter. Um, but, uh, you, you know, it's interesting looking at this uh, at Catella team because they've played some teams that we've covered throughout the course of the season. They actually early in the year lost to that Tribuco Hills team that Mike saw uh, against Polly. They lost 28 nothing to that Tribuco Hills team. And then they also had a win over Marina, 28-7, did Catella late in the regular season. St. Anthony played that Marina team. It was the uh, Laura Turley Bowl, and uh, St. Anthony won that game. So um, th this is, this is going to be a good competition for the Saints. I I'm looking at, you know, trying to break down these teams and, and the seasons that they've had. Um, this, is a, this is definitely a challenging division for St. Anthony. This is not going to be a cakewalk. And um, I, I would expect, especially going on the road, I think this will be a, a, certainly a tougher game for them than, than in round one. But like you said, JJ, I mean, the maestro, Raul Lara, knows how to navigate his way through a bracket. And uh, I certainly did not think that Connor Hochberg was going to take that game over and be the star of the game. So you just can't make any expectations uh, about what's going to happen in these playoffs. And that's why it's so much fun. But um, yeah, it should be a tough game for the Saints. We'll wrap this up with the final thing we noticed this week. The beginning of the season does not define your season. And that PSA is for every single high school athlete, high school coach, high school parent, whatever, right? Look at the four teams who are still playing football right now. Polly, St. Anthony, Jordan, and Compton. They have all improved mightily since their first game of the season. Like, like completely different. Like if you had these teams play themselves from week one, it would be running clock in the third quarter. They are all so much better. And that's just a great lesson to learn about improvement and trusting the process and trusting your teammates and keep working hard, even if things aren't going your way early on. All of these teams have learned that lesson and they're all playing their best football at exactly the time when you want to play your best football. So keep your nose to the grindstone, Long Beach student athletes, because you never know when your chance is going to come. And when it does come, you want to be at the top of your game. We got a bunch of teams at the top of their game right now. So it's a lot of fun to get out there and cover these squads. Uh, please make sure you're following along on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff so that you're getting the most up-to-date information about your favorite team, what's going on in the playoffs, and what you should be looking forward to. Thanks, as always, to Long Beach Post and everybody at the562.org who make shows like this possible. Long Beach, we will see you in the stands this weekend. Take care.